now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 182 of the Drop Set. Once again, we're live. Well, not live. We're live right now. You're watching this. It's on YouTube. It's pre recorded. You get how the whole thing works. I am here with Jacob Koch. How you doing, Jacob? Doing great. Hi, I'm sorry. Dr. Jacob Koch. Whatever. <laughs> Doctor in my office. You can call me Mr. <laughs> Jacob, whatever. Mr. Care. Jacob. Gotcha. Cool. So, um, Jacob, full disclosure, you are a client of mine. You recently competed? Yeah, first first time. Yes, sir. First time. So, what you, you uh, I put out the the call and I'm like, "Hey, if anybody has any ideas for guests, let me know." And you're like, "Hey, I'd love to be on and talk about my experience." And I'm like, "Holy crap, that's a great idea because you hear from all these people, you know, there's a lot of um, guests on podcasts who are pros who have done a billion shows and they're operating at a really high level, but I'm interested in the perspective and I've had this on the podcast before, but it's been a while of somebody who's like new at this and just kind of getting started and getting their feet wet. So hence here you are. So, um, I have one, one question for you. And I saw, um, before when we were talking before the, uh, before we started the interview, you had your hands up, you had some kind of a funky ring on there. Is that something special? That's uh, just a, titanium ring off Amazon. That's all it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, it used to have an hour ring, but, uh, this is just a yeah, thirteen dollar uh, titanium ring off Amazon. Okay, all right. So my my wife got one of those smart rings recently, and she's been yeah. wearing it, and it like fits on a little charger at night, and it tracks her sleep yeah. and all that stuff. I didn't know if it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool, and it looks just like that. So yeah, all right. So you are now um, how far post show? Uh, it's about almost two weeks now. Saturday in two weeks. So yeah, 12 days. Okay. All right. And what was the show? Tell tell us a little bit about uh, the, the uh, venue and where it was the, and what it was. Full name. I got to look at the full name. Yeah, it <laughs> was, was two weeks ago and you don't all remember? States. You sound like me. I know it's already gone. It was the All States Atlanta Invitational. Uh, okay. New show is the first year they'd ever done it. Um, and it was, a, from what you told me, it was a smaller show. Yeah. Fast. Yeah, it um, sounded like it. First time I, I, had no, I had no idea what to expect. It seemed normal to me, but did, did you get an invite? There was no invite. I invited myself, <laughs> I guess. So I was actually confused by that because it said invitational and yeah. thought, hey, can I register for this? So I had to ask and yeah, it's just, yeah, it it's was, just it a like, stupid name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> T- typically if you're going to have a show that's an invitational, they actually have to invite you, but mm-hmm. Hey, exactly. Yeah. It was not invitational. It's yeah. like, they also could have called it the Atlanta classic, even if it was the first year doing it. Yeah. Names mean nothing. Okay. Um, so we'll work, we'll work up to show day. Cause I want to talk about that, but I figure we should, we should kind of take the viewers and the listeners here on a little bit of a journey. And so let's work on our plot and character development first, kind of do a little bit of world building here. So what got you into the mode where you're like, Hey, I think I want to do a show kind of tell us about, give us a, a little, uh, like a two minute backstory and give us your thought process before you ever decided to actually sign up for something. Okay. Uh, I mean, my, my long story is I was a fat kid and then eventually I lost some weight when I was a teenager. And then my twenties progressively getting in better shape, my thirties progressively getting in better shape. So I'm 42 now. And I had never had any goals to do a show. Um, I started listening to your podcast probably like two, three years ago and mm-hmm. mostly for the, for the advice on weightlifting, on bodybuilding, on everything. 
whenever you talk about a show, I kind of tune you out. I tune it out. Yeah. Okay. That's for the other people who do shows. I think a lot of people do that. That's fair. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Um, so then, uh, yeah, a year, a year, I mean, I guess it was after, after COVID, I started putting on, putting on weight and finally just kind of snapped out of it and thought I need to snap out of it somehow. So, uh, signed up with you in May and thought if I'm going to get in the best shape ever, then I'm going to do a show. I'm going to set a deadline. I'm going to say, I'm going to do the show. And so decided, I think we, I think I started working with you in May show was in April. That was kind of the deadline or the target was April, May. Um, so I tried so many times to get in, get in great shape or cut down or get there and tried tons and tons of different things, but st- setting a deadline for a show, I never had any aspirations to win or do anything great. And I did, I did not win, but, um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Hello. Come spoiler on. Alert. <laughs> but, uh, it was all about, for me, it was all about having a deadline where it got me really, really serious. Cause I knew if I'm going to be up there, if I'm going to do this, I want to do my best. I want to look good. I don't want to embarrass myself. Okay. So do you think that in all the stuff that you tried before that that might've been the missing ingredient, you didn't have something there to kind of like make you take it seriously for long enough to really let it work. That was one. And then accountability was the other. So having a coach, um, having you coaching. So those two things, accountability and, and yeah, having, having the show date, those two things just clicked it into gear. For sure. Yeah. I tell you what, sometimes my, my most powerful role is just that of big brother. Like even if I don't do anything, I'm just sitting there watching, I'm giving you disapproving looks and that's all it takes. <laughs> yep. I definitely had some of that this year. I was like, Oh, I'm <laughs> daring about this. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah gotta fess up. It was, it was helpful for sure. Cool. Cool. So we spent a good bit, a good bit of time I and mean, we got started. We kind of knew what the goal was roughly when, um, and we got started and we're like, well, let's focus on a growth phase. So if I remember correctly, I didn't go back and check notes, but I think we pretty much jumped right into that pretty, pretty quickly focusing on building. Yeah, we did it. We did it pretty quickly, but we cut down first. Um, That's right. I do remember what was, that. What was interesting because, um, I have done man over the years, I've gotten in better and better shape over the years, but I've tried all the different fads i mean i, I did, did keto for years and i always said oh man i don't do well with carbohydrates and i'd always cut low carbohydrates I, I was that type of person i always said carbohydrates make me fat that type of thing and i did intermittent fasting and i i mean i tried all these things they definitely they helped they got me to a level but eventually i just plateaued and i couldn't uh i couldn't cut down any further and so i kind of stagnated there um i mean DEXA scans for whatever those are worth. I got to like yeah. 6% body fat, something like that. But uh, sorry, I won't say those numbers. You don't want me to. <laughs> That's all right. I don't take offense. I just don't put a lot of stock in them. Okay. But uh, I stagnated there for a while. But then when I find I had never done flexible dieting, never done truly tracking macros. And uh, when, when that's when we started, you had me cut for about eight weeks. And then I just, I, I got leaner than I'd ever been in my life. So that was awesome. And then we started to grow. So I was, I was immediately convinced, man, flexible dieting's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it's cool. And I don't want to sound like a commercial for anything, but I mean, it's not a great fit for everybody. I think it's a good fit for most people if they're willing to put in the work in as far as understanding how it works and then just like the daily routine maintenance of keeping up with stuff and tracking things. Um, and the question is, is that additional work worth the variability that you can have in, in food choices and kind of controlling your own destiny to some extent for you, it clearly is. Yeah, definitely. And then there are days where, yeah, I don't feel like tracking, don't feel, but, but uh, it definitely, it definitely was super helpful. 
And you know, th- that's me every day. I don't feel like tracking ever, which is why I just create a plan and I just follow it. And then for me, it's just copy paste. I'm not going to track my food. I tracked this crap yesterday. So mm-hmm. why do it again? You know, I always yeah. tell people like, make it as simple as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I do something along those lines. I try yeah. to make it, simple. I've got like, okay, I eat the same thing every morning and just plug it in. Yeah. Yeah. And you leave yourself maybe a couple slots where it's like, well, this can be, you know, A, B or C, and this could be X, Y, or Z. And you've got kind of portions set up where, you know, you can just kind of take and plug that in. And your numbers are going to turn out basically the same anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Kind of at the end of the day. So, I mean, some, especially when I was getting really precise towards the end and cutting the competition, I mean, I kind of like cobbled together, okay, I need this much fat, this much protein. So I try to get it exactly. I was probably a little more meticulous than the average person, but that's I fair. Knew, but I knew exact amounts and my fitness pal makes it easy. So they do. Yeah. There's no, I, I still come across people every now and then who are tracking on pencil and paper. Um, was, you're, you're nodding. Was that you for a no, while? I, I tried, well, no, no, I tried that before I, before smartphones and it was a disaster. Oh, way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I think I tried it. Yeah. 2006 or seven. And yeah, it didn't last long. I remember that too. Yeah. I, I remember distinctly like the first time I went into a public space and saw somebody holding an iPhone, mm-hmm. um, like that, that's very much like a definitive marker in my life. That's like the end of the pre smartphone era for me. But I can remember like what I was doing at that time. I can remember the phone that I had flip phone. If you push the internet button on it, you're like, Oh God, no, please get out of there. You know, it's going to start charging me an arm and a leg for this access. So you, you know, People who are like, you know, 19, 20, 21 listening to this right now, they have no clue what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah back when we used to get charged by the text. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> or, you know, you had to wait until like after 8 p.m. to call call people out of network. Absolutely. So it didn't count against your minutes. Okay. Well, this is officially now the old fogey podcast. This is embarrassing. Um, so here, here's a, a multiple choice question for you. Um, this is kind of an easy one. So, we did a little mini cut. We went into a growth phase. You did the whole pre-contest phase into a show, went through show day, rebounded. Now we're in the post-show phase. Um, which was the hardest of those sections for you and why? Ooh, I stumped him. This this phase, I'm actually having a hard time with the post-show phase. Really? Yeah. Um, I, I actually... The, the cut... Cutting down in the last three, four weeks, it was a challenge, but it was not as hard as I expected. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, it's, it's interesting. I, I almost felt more full then than I do now. So it's like I introduced more junky carbohydrates. Um, I was eating, I mean, I, I felt like I was eating more protein, more consistent protein, more chicken, things like that. So um, I think the the growth phase was hard because I got, I just started feeling really sloppy towards the end. I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, but I, honestly, uh, it's, it's a little hard now coming out of it. Don't have a, I, I guess I don't haven't set a definite goal now. Um, yeah, this is, this is a little bit challenging now. That, that's the thing for a lot of people, because when you're, um, when you're working towards a show, you're three, four, five weeks out, it gets kind of hard, but at that point you're so laser focused on it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That was exactly it. I was like, I'm doing this. I've got this goal. I'm going to make it happen no matter what. Yeah. And, and uh, now, yeah. like, we, we have a goal right now, but it's a little more ambiguous. It's like, yeah, okay, so now I we're going to grow and, you know, something else is out there, but we'll see what it is. Yeah. So maybe it's, and maybe the challenge for me right now, because I still have back rows I'm trying to hit or I'm trying to, to keep myself from eating too much or gorging. That's, that's where I'm finding the challenge. It, mm-hmm. It's like, hitting the macros is not as, it's not as compelling. 
whereas uh <laughs> it's lost a little luster definitely it has yeah. yeah so before the show like you said laser focused i knew what i was gonna do there were challenges there were days where i man i i would just daydream about food i sit there daydreaming about the chicken i was gonna eat when i got, got home wow and you're daydreaming about chicken that's how you yeah, know you've so got a problem bad. i was like oh chicken i'm gonna put some tonys on the chicken and <laughs> tonys the spice it's good no stuff. i haven't used that that saved me tonys and mustard and <laughs> to, tony uh, tony's is what i feel like we need to detour here really quick tell me about tony's it's a uh, cajun seasoning they Ooh. use it all the time and i lived in louisiana for a couple of years and it's mm. like all over the place in louisiana so is it like a rub or that kind of thing it's, it's just like a like a salt sprinkle so it's a mix of okay. a bunch of different things like salt and i don't know what spices but it says on the bottle use like salt so i did <laughs> i mean i can i can do that so do you just get that at like any store you have to special yeah, order that they sell it everywhere. Yeah, okay. it's like Tony Chacheries, something like that. But okay, I got I got to keep my eyes peeled for that. I'm gonna try it. Yeah. Okay, so sorry. Uh, to, uh, please continue. I got yeah, sidetracked. So, <laughs> so I definitely had my challenges dating vet chicken. I got really cold the last two three weeks. I don't know if it's because body fat got low. I don't yep. know. I felt cold all the time. Um, and then social events definitely were a challenge. My wife set up this gauntlet of social events. <laughs> We're like hanging out all weekend with people and they're all drinking. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to eat my meals. <laughs> I got prepped here. You know, I, I was actually conspiring with her behind your back. I'm like, he's having too easy of a time here. Can we make this a little bit more difficult? Seemed like it. Yeah. The difficulty <laughs> level was ratcheted up, but, but it was just the, again, having that goal and knowing, okay, I'm going to do this. It made it, made it easier. There were mm -hmm. challenges, but I just, I knew I was going to do it. I was committed. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we need to do a little coaching here on the podcast and figure out like kind of define the next goal a little bit more clearly, just because what I feel really is like the make or break thing between people who really skyrocket and like their progression really takes a huge step forward between shows and those people who you know improve a little bit and they come in a little bit better, but it's like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I can see them, you know, they're still the same person versus somebody who's like, holy crap, what happened to them is the amount of focus they can apply in the off season. Um, and it's something where I've been in this growth phase personally myself for so long. Like I am clearly the poster child for how not to do it correctly. Like I have definitely kind of like, Ugh. and especially the last month or so has been really dicey for me. So I'm actually looking forward to changing gears before too long and kind of trying to get some of that focus back. But, um, at the same time, like I'm focused right now, I've got a date on my calendar. It's out there. Um, but still nonetheless, there's just a little bit of that edge missing, but I think having it is kind of the prerequisite. You've got to start there. Um, and so we've talked a little bit about vaguely what some goals are and what some objectives are rather than specific dates or anything like that. Um, but part of it is kind of understanding like, you know, this is a finite process, you know, you've only got so long to make improvements and then it's going to be time to see what it is again. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, um, during pre-contest and actually, you know, before that in the growth phase also, you travel a good bit. You're not, you're not like a traveling salesman. You're not on the road every week, but you get out of, out of, uh, your, your home base pretty frequently. So tell us a little bit about, how that made things challenging and how you adapted to it. Um, so yeah, I traveled to, uh, I go, I go to a lot of continuing education meetings. I'm an orthodontist. So I go to orthodontic, these orthodontic meetings. So, uh, so the travel was during, during the growth phase, it was very hard to keep things on the rails. <laughs> um, very hard. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yes, definitely. So, I mean, I was more likely to say, ah, just this day is, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Um, especially when people were out late, people were out drinking, 
So it, it, it's easy to succumb to peer pressure. So um, when I was in the cut, so I was, I was, or contest prep was, was January 1st to April 24th. And so during that time, um, I, I had to go in with a lot more of a plan when traveling. So I, I would, uh, I mean, I got, a, I got a Yeti, I would have meals prepped and I would put them in the Yeti and I'd check it on the airplane and then go pick it up at the baggage claim. And then I would just eat that. I would almost exclusively eat that stuff. And when people were um, out late, I'd either just exclude myself or I'd go out and force myself to just sit there and drink, you know, like a soda soda with lime or something like that. Um, and and you know, what was helpful was I, I just told people at the meetings, I tell them I'm prepping for a show, I'm prepping for a show. And it was actually turned out to be a positive peer pressure. People appreciated it and they didn't really, they didn't pressure me. Oh, just have one drink or, or, um, take a bite of this. They were, they were actually pretty good about it. So that was very helpful telling people and they knew they kind of grew to expect it of me. So, uh, I, I took advantage of that. If there's one thing that people take from this uh, podcast, I hope it's that. Um, because a lot of people think uh, that there's this pressure on them to engage in things socially that really isn't there. Like they manufacture in their own heads a lot. And I think if you do come through and just you know, come clean right away, hey, I'm doing this. If you can make my life a little easier, you know, <laughs> just let me do my thing. It's cool. You do your thing. I'm not going to judge you. I don't care. Um, we'll just have a mutual complete disinterest for what everybody else is doing here. That's the way to do it. But just put it all out there so that, you know, mm-hmm. like you might actually develop kind of an un- unexpected support system that you didn't know that's, was going to be there. That's exactly what happened. One And by and large, I found most people are like, oh, really? What are you doing? And I mean, I wouldn't get into too much detail, but most people seem almost everyone has some kind of physical fitness goal. They all know they're drinking too much, eating too much. And so they, they kind of were, they're intrigued. Oh man, yeah, I need to exercise more. What are you doing? So it kind of started a conversation about the topic I like. Yeah. So, so yeah, if I found it was, it was good. I, they didn't label me as the weird dude who's, who's eating his own stuff. And so maybe they did behind your back, but not to your face at least. Yeah. yeah they might, maybe they do do that. I don't know. They yeah. Probably do. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would, I mean, I'd go to a dinner and just get like a, Heineken 0.0. So there's zero, zero alcohol in that. And I'd sip that and there's still carbohydrates. So I still try to put it on my fitness pal. But, uh, people generally, people were sportive. It was, it was, that was, that was actually very important. Once I started doing that, I found travel became a little bit easier. That's cool. Tell me a little bit more about this Yeti. Would you pack that with like frozen meals? Yeah. Yeah. So it's stuff that was just refrigerated. So just, just refrigerated. So not even frozen. Yeah. Not frozen. So, so you, so I've used, uh, towards the, during the prep, I've used like a meal prep service. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have meals, especially if I knew I was gonna be traveling, I would get extra meals and then I would just stack them in the Yeti and then put in a, put in something frozen and it keeps cold really well. And then when I get to the hotel, I would either put them in the fridge or some hotels will get you, will let you actually bring a fridge to your room. If you ask them for a fridge, kind of depends on the hotel. Really? Yeah. Huh. Or microwave. Someone will bring a microwave to your room. Assuming there isn't one in there already. Yeah. 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 It seems like most of them don't have them in there, but, uh, interesting. Someone will bring them to you. Not all. That's cool. That's cool. Cold chicken. It's lots of fun. And so since you're checking that, you don't have to worry about getting, you don't have to worry about liquids, what can get through TSA, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the issue is I, I pack, uh, cause the, 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 there would be this food and then there'd be the, uh, the big Yeti, uh, like the, the, you know, the ice pack, the yeah. ice pack. I, I actually never tried to take that through security because I just assumed it wouldn't get through. Mm-hmm. So that's why I checked it. 
Yeah, I, well, from what I, uh, I... I haven't done it myself. I've checked stuff before, um, but I haven't tried to take anything through security. From what I understand, there's a couple of different types of those freezer packs. Some that are like gel-filled and some that are more... They're filled with like a sand kind of substance almost. Um, and that that is TSA approved all the way. The gel ones um, will make it through if they are frozen solid. Okay. Um, and if you, if you have liquids that are frozen or gels that are frozen, they will make it through. Um, but depending on who you ask, like you're always putting yourself at the mercy of the mood of the TSA agent at the same time. Like one of those very, very nebulous things is peanut butter. It's like 50, 50, whether it makes it through or not. Yep. I've had it. I've had it confiscated and I've had it make it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Yeti, I, I just, I would just check it. Cause I was like, I don't want to deal with them saying, no, you can't think this through. You can throw it away or you can go back to security and check it. I just didn't want to deal with it. So I'd always just check it. It was never an issue. Those mm-hmm. things are, they're pretty, pretty sturdy. So they made it through. Definitely. And it, was it big enough or was it, was it small enough that you could check it or you could, you could try and take it through security if you wanted to? I probably could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I could could have brought it through yeah they've got like a small little i I don't know the dimensions but but you probably could if you could fit in an overhead compartment pretty easily pretty borderline at least like the sand sand stuff maybe that would make it through i I don't know yeah yeah interesting so your your typical routine was probably like trying to figure out your your usual like daily routine at one of these conferences or whatever it was figure out how many days how many meals am i going to have to put together and kind of pre-plan pretty much the entire trip before you leave that was exactly it yep Fun stuff. Yeah, tons of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd bring, and then, and then when I was there, I mean, I like for if I needed extra carbs, I could get like some rice cakes in the store, rice cakes, or or I, or I would get like peanut butter for fat or something like that. Yeah, just to yeah. fill in the fill in the blanks. So, uh, and I, I guess the other thing about that is you have a pretty clear objective when you're coming back. Like, I better be bringing back an empty cooler. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kind of makes it a little easier that way. Yep, exactly. How many trips did you have during prep? Um, I think I had three. Yeah, I, I can't remember, but I think I had three. But one of them was like this full week meeting. It was like a five-day meeting. So I had to prep really hard for that one. Man. <laughs> that was challenging. That's a pretty intense trip. And how, how far out were you for that one? Do you remember? Um, that was in that was March. So that was about a month and a half before the show. That was about two-thirds of the way through then. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. All right. Good times, yes, man. I, I a lot of planning for that. <laughs> um, but you didn't have a, you didn't have any personal trips. They were all, they're all business trips. There were some personal trips. Yeah. I mean, stuff. Yeah. Like my, my, my wife wanted to stay on friends on the weekend. So we'd go to their cabin and stuff like that. So again, same thing. I just packed my stuff and tell them what I was doing and, and uh, suffer, kind of suffer through it. It's always a little easier when you can drive as opposed to trying to take your act through the airport. That that made it a lot easier driving because I could just pack all my stuff. I think I probably brought like a my canister of protein powder. I didn't bring that on the plane, but like when you can drive, you just throw it in the car. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about uh, training. Um, like we started prep in January. Um, now, if I remember correctly. Um, I mean, there wasn't really a gym situation or anything like that with where you train. So you didn't have to worry about like gym availability or anything like that. You've got it all right there. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how, how training went for you. Um, kind of the ebb and flow of it a little bit. Good days, bad days. Did things kind of tend to trend in a direction as prep went on? Or did you feel pretty good physically throughout the whole thing? I uh, felt pretty good throughout most of it. I definitely got really tired the last two, three weeks. 
Um, I felt like I was making progress or able to push things pretty hard all the way through. But then, yeah, two, three weeks or even the last month, it definitely got tiring, especially doing like two, two a day cardio sessions. And yeah. And sorry about that. Just, yeah. That, no, that's, Hey, Hey, thank <laughs> you. It got me, it got me prepped. I was really happy for the physique I got. So, um, the, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was probably the hardest part. I mean, I definitely, I get to where I was like two thirds of the way through a workout. I just sort of didn't want to finish it. Um, or just keeping up intensity, it, it got challenging. So, uh, I just would push through and try not to cut, cut back, but was that a pretty new sensation for you? Yeah. Feeling depleted like that for sure. Yeah. So, so typically like in the course of like your, your pre contest prep days, like before we started, you were like, Hey, I'm going to work out and pretty much always had a good time getting up for it. Always felt good. I mean, you know, everybody has their days here and there, but you never had those stretches where you're like, Oh my God, like you're always pretty gung ho and pretty, pretty up for it all the time. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a a lot of days I, I mean, I try to do something every day, but there are days where I don't feel like it, but then five, 10 minutes in start lifting. I'm like, all right, ready to go. And then I feel great through the whole workout. But uh, yeah, these days I normally wasn't flagging by the end, but but the last, yeah, last month, definitely by the end, I'd had to push through the last 20, 30 minutes a lot of times. Yeah. Especially when that cardio starts to get up there, the carbs are kind of low. It's really easy to just say, oh, fuck my life. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. A little bit. So, um, let's take it through show day. Um, I guess one question that I want to ask is, um, what was the thing that surprised you the most about show day going in? I was surprised, and I guess I should have known this, how many times I had to go out on stage. <laughs> I you, did, you did three classes, right? I, I did, yeah, I did three classes. I, I see, because I did men's physique was the, was the division. Is that right? Category. Category. Okay, I still can't keep that straight. Nobody can. Um, yeah. <laughs> men's physique. And so I did, uh, it was true novice, and then master's 40 plus, and then the open I think that was it. I think so. Yeah, it was three, three classes. So I just, I mean, I went out the first time and then, then went out the second time. And by the third time, I'm like, I got, I, I was thinking this, the crowd must be thinking, Oh great. This guy again, <laughs> <laughs> I just felt, I felt ridiculous eventually, but I mean, that's just the way it was. So that was, that's what I get for signing up for a lot of classes. Um, Were they all that, pretty much like right back to back. Pretty close pretty close yeah this show was tight because they had uh they did men's and the men in the morning and then women in the, in the afternoon so they kept those separate and yeah so was, this show didn't have a big split between prejudging and finals which is really common in NPC no, yeah shows. they did they did all the prejudging and then it was like okay we got it we're gonna have a 20 minute break and then finals start something like that so it, yeah. was, it was pretty pretty quick so but it wasn't like the, i think what it's usually referred to uh, as is running format um it wasn't quite that because in that format you would do like men's physique pre-judging lineups okay cool a quick little break tabulate individual walks for men's physique and then awards presentation but here it was like we're gonna do men's bodybuilding we're gonna do men's physique we're gonna do classic physique intermission and then i assume posing routines and then award presentation yeah. Which is still okay because anything that you can do to avoid having like an eight hour gap in the middle of the day is a bonus as far as I'm concerned. Um, had you attended a show before this one as a spectator? I, I hadn't. I tried to and uh, never, I was, I, I think I registered one and then, and then my wife scheduled some social event. So, <laughs> so I'm like, okay, babe, I'll go to that. I won't go to the show. 
more challenges. South Georgia, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, w- it would have been helpful to go to a show. So that was, so that was, I guess, another thing that surprised me. I had worked on closing. I, I, I worked with Kelly Lynn, who you had, who was your last guest. Um, and that was very, very healthy. She helped me with my front pose, back pose, and, and even turning, transitioning. But I, I just wasn't prepared for the amount of stage presence that it re- required because I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I couldn't have known having never done a show yeah. and never having attended a show. But having done a show now, now I can picture myself. I know that I've got to work. I mean, got to work on even things like walking out on stage and having confidence. Yeah. Uh, turn and, and even transitions turning. Like I got to a point where I was just like, all right, here's my front pose. And then I'm just going to turn around. And the other guys were doing all this fancy stuff in between. That looked kind of cool. All, all their little ninja moves. Yeah, the ninja moves. So I had no ninja moves. It's like, all right, here's my front. And then eventually it was clear that. Once they do the, uh, you know, sizing everybody up, moving everybody to front and side, it's like, I ain't, I ain't got a chance with these open guys. I'm on, when you're on the end, you know, I got to keep on smiling. And so I just kind of, I almost gave up on transitions. But um, now I know if I, when, when I do another show, I've spent a lot more time working on even just walking out on stage and then transitions between poses. And, uh, and also the smiling, I think I've got to figure something out. So the, yeah, you and me yeah. both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's something the uh, the guy who did the canning. He gave me good advice. I think I, I think I texted this to you. Um, he gave me really good advice because he asked me. He asked me after I'd done all my posing stuff. He was he was like doing a touch up before it was right before finals or something. Yeah. And he said, "Can I ask you what what are you thinking about when you're up there smiling when you're when you're, when you're smiling?" And I said, uh, "I think my, my wife. I'm looking like my wife was in the audience. And my wife this." He said, well, because it looks like you just got a bad Christmas present and you're oh. like, yourself to smile. I'm like, oh my gosh, that hurts. Especially because I'm, I'm an orthodontist. Like I'm in the smile business. I'm like, you I, are. Thought I, I, thought I, had, I thought I had a great smile, but apparently I was like forcing myself to smile and smile the whole time. And so I, I think it looked totally forced. That was, that was hard. After, after that, when I like, felt I. I was even more self-conscious going out for finals. So I was like, okay, make this smile look real. Probably looked even worse after that. <laughs> you got that, that deer in headlights. Oh man, I just got a Charlie Brown tie kind of smile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's hard. I mean, I don't know. Some people just come by that naturally. I, I do not. And so that that's why, you know, even in classic physique, you know, it's a little bit more serious. It's a little less like presentational. You still have to flow, but I think in classic physique, you can kind of get away with not smiling a little bit and in bodybuilding you can as well. Although anytime you can pull it off, it's always going to have a better look. Um, I remember last year when we were doing, um, a, a photo shoot for our band for our album cover art. We met with a photographer and I'm like, God, this is going to be awful. I hate getting my picture taken. And she's like, Darren, I just need you to stand there and look serious. I'm like, I got that. <laughs> yeah, like you don't need me to smile. That's perfect. She's like, no, I need you to look kind of pissed off a little bit. I'm like, that's my default state. Now we're talking. Why can't, why can't judges ask for that? Like stand up on stage and look a little pissed off. That'd be awesome. Love that. Um, yeah, so that's well. That's what I was. I, I mean, I'm thinking. I guess for next time, I mean, mixing it up a little bit because I was trying to smile, smile with teeth the whole time, and I think I had. I don't know. I guess there's got to work on different smiles and changing it up a little bit. Some seriousness, some smiling. I don't know. You got to have like a relaxed face. Yeah, like a yeah. stoic but still interested look to your face, Something like and that. then bust out the smile every now and then. Mm-hmm. 
and not have it look super fake. But part of it also is, you know, have you ever um, done any kind of um, performance, public speaking, that kind of stuff? I've done some public speaking. Yeah. And a, and a little bit of performance. Yeah. I, I think that's really like the best preparation for getting up on stage. Because if you haven't done that, the first thing that's going to catch you off guard is just what it's like to be the center of attention with a whole bunch of people in front of you. And that can be really disorienting for a lot of people. And then on a, on a bodybuilding show, you got the lights coming down. You've got some music coming in, which during prejudging is usually pretty low. But for finals, they'll crank that up. You've got instructions coming in through the loudspeakers, which depending on the venue, you might not be able to hear super well. So all that stuff is like it's a perfect recipe for you to forget how to pose because there's so much disorienting stuff happening all at once, especially if you've never been there before. Yeah, so, it's, it, that's disorienting, and then and then all the thoughts going through my head. Everything's disorienting. You know, think too much, and yeah, it, it became it, it became really hard to kind of hold it all, hold the posing routine together. I think it's like the posing got worse as the show went <laughs> went on. <laughs> well, I mean, it kind of makes sense because I mean, you're holding it, you're getting more fatigued, and then you have you know, the longer you spend on stage, the more time you have to think about everything that you're doing wrong. Yep. So exactly. then you start to overthink it more and more. Exactly. So it doesn't yeah, sound like you had the, the experience yeah. where you didn't have the experience where the whole thing was just over in a flash. And it's like, what happened? It sounded like you had time to process what was going on. Yeah. It, it felt like it just kept going and going. going. <laughs> <laughs> you were up there for an hour. Like I'm out on stage again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's, That's hilarious. Hey, everybody. Uh, allow me to interrupt myself briefly and just say thank you again for listening. I would love for you to take this episode, share it on social media, tag me there on Instagram at Darren underscore star in your posts and in your stories, um, and leave reviews wherever you can, wherever you listen to this. If the uh, service allows you to leave a review and a rating, do it. I'd forever be appreciative. Um, also, call in and leave a question. Uh, our voicemail line is always open here. The number uh, if you're ready to write it down, are you ready? 865-518-2974. If you want to be featured in an upcoming episode, let me know. Uh, call in, leave a message there, and give me something to talk about. Also, this podcast is sponsored by me. Uh, 5starphysique.com is my business. It uh, features coaching for contest prep or just general non-competitive body transformation as well. I like to go a little bit deeper, a little beyond the surface, beyond just plan writing, uh, and focus on what is preventing you from being successful. And then once we have that figured out, hammer the other stuff really hard and get you to fulfill your potential. Um, if you're not looking for coaching, but you're just looking for like, hey, I need something to do in the gym. I have workout plans available. You can go and browse those online. You can read about coaching if you go to 5starphysique.com. That's star with two R's, five spelled out F-I-V-E. You can click on coaching. You can click on workout plans. Read about everything there. And if you have questions, of course, just click on contact and hit me up there. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Now, where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? Oh, yeah. Let's go back. Um, so I guess if, um, you know, time machine, like we've got a time machine now, um, you'd probably recommend going and attending a show before you actually compete in one. Yeah. If I did anything different, differently, I, I, that's probably what I had done. I would have gone to a show and seen the format and pictured. Yeah. 
Okay. And you started, we started posing work kind of late in the process as well. I think it was it around like eight weeks out or something like that. Eight weeks out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I did that. And that was another thing I would say, just, if you're going to get a posing coach, just stick with one posing coach. <laughs> Cause I did, uh, <laughs> I did posing with Kelly Lynn, which was super, super helpful. We did it over Skype. And that was, that was great. I mean, she, t- I, I had no idea to flare my lats. I thought I had a deficient back. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I remember that conversation. I'm like, yeah. no dude, it's just, it's just body awareness, mind muscle connection. They're there. Trust me. <laughs> exactly. So like the photos I'd send to you, I try to, flex my back and i'm like it looks like it's pinching in it looks weird and then kelly then taught me to flare my lats and uh and just just present myself but then two days before i worked with a coach um a guy that was at the show um he was, he was really good his name was kenny wallach but he was really good but he taught me to pose a little differently and so then i had this brand new advice in my head i'm trying to do his pose two days before i go out there so i think i just confused myself i should have just stuck with what kelly lynn taught me he taught me some good stuff but I should have just stuck with what she did and just not confused it. Tried so it's, to it's like you had pose A, pose B, and then you did pose C, which exactly. was neither of the neither of the yeah, aforementioned. I had, yeah, I had like 36 hours to practice, practice that. Yeah. Yeah. That's putting yourself in a rough situation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what, what, uh, tell me about what was the venue? Where were you at? It was at a, it was at a hotel, Weston hotel. So okay. So you're in like a conference hall. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Um, what was the, just for, for people that haven't gone here before, I want to kind of put them in the room with you a little bit. So, um, you walk into the conference hall, what's the setup? Do you walk in and like, everything's in front of you. You've got to like walk through everybody to get to a backstage area. There's like a little curtain set up. What's going on? Yeah. You walk in and, uh, they, they had like a, the meeting beforehand, um, like eight o'clock, they had the, the men's meeting. And then, um, by eight 30, so there was a curtain back there. The curtain was back behind. We were just sitting in the, in the, um, in front of the stage in chairs. They were telling us about the work. And then at eight 30, they were like, all right. They were like, they, I mean, they kind of talked. It was like a bunch of little kids. Like, all right, guys, you need to get backstage right now. Don't go. You're not the tour guide for grandma. Don't go get, don't go show grandma around. You need to get backstage. <laughs> so, so uh, then we just all walked backstage and they let the audience in, I think at nine o'clock, they wouldn't let them back till then. So we walked behind the curtain and backstage was like, it was like uh, this small little rectangle. It was like, felt like it was like 50 feet deep and maybe like a hundred yards wide. And so you just had all these guys crammed back in there. Was it the same room that the audience were in just separated with like a curtain or? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So backstage and just said everybody back there pumping up. They had a tarp they wanted us to be on. I guess they didn't want to get, uh, get tanning. No spray product. tan drip from the feet onto the floor. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So it was, yeah, it was separate, like a big room separated by a curtain, exactly like that. And then uh stage was there and we were, yeah, just all hanging out behind the curtain most of the time. Okay. Um, and what was the, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're in a world here where there's uh, still a pandemic going on. So what was the audience like? Were they restricting crowds at all? Or was it just anything goes? It was pretty much anything goes. They, okay. they said in their, uh, they said in their, the, the stuff that they released when they said, I mean, all the emails, stuff like that, they said it will be following restrictions, but it was pretty much a, a free for all. It wasn't. Well, in Georgia, I don't really think they have too many restrictions yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, they, don't, they don't really. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the ultimate COVID incubator, you sit, sit in that backstage. I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is, if you want to get it, this is where the place to get it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've been backstage, so I was, I wasn't worried about it. So, um, yeah, they, they weren't too strict. 
Gotcha. Okay. Um, and uh, the other thing that I and I've seen this before in in shows that are in those those conference halls at hotels, which I think is really. I think it's probably like the easiest venue to do a show in if you're a promoter and trying to set it up. I also think it's probably like the least nice. Um, and and the thing is for me, like, you know, I have a theater background, so I've done shows. So I'm all about like stage lights, house lights. And like when you are having a performance on stage, the lights aren't on the audience. And in a hall like that, that you typically don't have the control over that. So what was the, I'm really curious. What was the lighting set up in there? This is a stupid question, but I'm, yeah. I'm dying to know. Well, that's something I thought about. So they had, they had some lights, but they didn't have any kind of spotlights or any kind of, they didn't, it did I didn't see any really special lights. So I had heard, I don't know if it's from you or someone else about how hot it gets up on stage. Mm -hmm. And I'd never felt, I didn't feel like the lights were super bright. They probably weren't very close. Yeah. And it wasn't very hot. Um, I mean, there was one guy sweating like crazy, but I, I never really broke a sweat out on stage anything like that. <laughs> well you said you've been cold for the last couple of weeks that's so probably has yeah, something to do with yeah. it <laughs> maybe that's why <laughs> um would they uh would, they had uh i'm assuming they had an expediter backstage helping people file up getting getting position yeah, um okay were they were they like on it and keeping things moving and no, no issues with being in the right place at the right time or anything yeah yeah, they were on it. There were no issues. They would call out numbers, but because it was such a small group, I mean, there were, it was probably like 50 guys total in the show. So mm. it was pretty easy for them to get people, get people lined up. I just had, I, I did have to pay attention. I mean, like, especially because this one moved fast. Um, I think, I think you told me, don't, don't put your earbuds in. Don't be sitting there listening, listening to stuff. I would, yeah. I would have missed my call out if I, if I had been listening to anything. So I had to kind of just stay focused. I always laugh whenever I see guys or, or women sitting backstage with headphones and I'm like, you have a level of confidence that I do not possess. <laughs> yeah, totally. What no, no thank you. Not going to roll the dice on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, for me to kind of, I kind of chatted with other competitors and especially guys that were in my men's peak so we could all be aware. I just would talk with them and just pay attention. Yeah. If I'm going here, you better follow me. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nice. Um, did they uh, uh, call out and give you like a notice for like, hey, men's physique, true novice, start pumping up now or anything like that? Or were you on your own to figure that out? Yeah, that's that's they, they kind of did that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can see though they would do. Uh, so they called us over for touch ups, the tanning company, the one that we they, they had one, the show sponsored tanning yeah. company. So I got my tan with them. And they, uh, they did touch-ups before. And so they would they would look you over, make sure there weren't any splotches or anything like that. And then they'd spray the oil or whatever it is they put on you. Yeah. Um, and then they, uh, and then, and then you'd, you'd see guys start pumping up and I think they said to pump up, but I just saw other guys pump up. I'm like, all right, these guys are doing push up. I'm going to start doing push ups. <laughs> Apparently this is the thing we do. <laughs> let's do, let's do this. So, uh, they, and they, they brought back these, uh, they had like a couple of sets of 20 pound dumbbells and 15 pound dumbbells. So you had like guys just passing those around and, and grabbing them and doing random stuff. I brought yeah. bands. So just like a couple of sets of bands, that was the bands are super helpful. That, that's the thing is, you know, if there's, if there's weights backstage, it's like four dumbbells for 50 guys. I'm like, exactly. mm. <laughs> I know what it was. Like, they brought back these dumbbells. I was like, can I use these things? I don't know. Whose are these? <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was somebody's, but yeah, it wasn't like they had a dumbbell rack or anything. They just brought back several sets of dumbbells and just dropped them on the floor. And yeah, it's like so, some friend of the promoters. He asked at the last minute, Hey, you got some dumbbells in your garage? Can you bring those over? <laughs> yeah, I got a 15, I got a 20 and I got a 30. Is that good enough? <laughs> that sure. Bring crazy. it. <laughs> exactly what it was like yeah 
Yeah, that's pretty typical. So yes, bring bands. I think all this is just super, super valuable stuff because even if you go and you attend, you know, two, three, I think I probably saw seven or eight shows myself in person before I ever competed. Um, just because, you know, I was I was in that mode where it's like, well, I'm getting myself ready for that, but I'm not in a big rush. I just want to be really, really familiar with how the whole thing works. And so um, I even went backstage with a friend um, at a show that he was doing um, before I ever competed. So um, I just think it's super valuable because even if you go and attend, you don't really know. I, I, I like that you're kind of taking us into that that room where we can kind of get a sense of what it's like. I mean, it's kind of chaotic. There's people all over the place. But the other thing is that I've always found it shows is there's a sense of camaraderie there because usually bodybuilding is something that tends to isolate you from other people. And so you go to a show and yeah, it's competitive. You're all competing with one another, but at the same time, you're all doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of unusual to be around a whole bunch of people that are all doing the same thing when it's a weird thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, that was really cool part of it. I mean, like I was in so the masters 40 plus there were, there were four of us, only four guys, but the other guys, I've got three kids. They had three, two of them had three kids. One guy had like six kids. Oh, it was, man. It was, it's like, this is awesome. All these dads of three doing this thing. So it was, it was really cool camaraderie. We're all into this fitness. We're all into this, this thing that makes us kind of weird outside of this. It was, that was great. Redefining the dad bod. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, um, show day comes and goes. And I remember there was a picture that you sent. Um, I, I got to just pull this up. I'm going to show it to the camera and hopefully it comes through because, uh, I was like, man, that is a happy dude right there. Um, so here is, Oh yeah. Yeah. So t- tell me what, what is that? What kind of pizza? What kind of beer are we looking at there? It's, uh, I mean, some kind of meat extra meat pizza it's this place called Fellini's here in atlanta and then the beer was some kind of ipa and i did i did put down that whole picture and i already had two more before that i'm sorry Darren. that was allowed right <laughs> <laughs> hey post show all bets are off i've seen worse yeah so yeah. that was that was actually fantastic and it was it was you know this was actually i was so i was happy because this has been a this has been like a lifelong goal because i like i said i was a I was a chunky kid and they used to call my nickname when I was a teenager was Nintendo belly. Cause I played video games. That was all I did. They call me Nintendo belly. Jacob was the fat kid. And so I've always, always, just so you know, I'm never calling you anything else now. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the guy who I, I nicknamed myself soft serve in an Instagram post last week. So, you know, I can roll with it. Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, I was super happy because I finished the show. It was, I was happy. I mean, it was happy eating the food, but it was it, eating the food afterwards. It's, it's kind of a letdown. You're, you're daydreaming about food. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so amazing to eat pizza and drink beer. And it's fine. It's great. But, uh, but I think, I mean, I was just happy that I'd achieved this, this lifelong goal. And th- this show was the means to get there. And now I want to do, I want to do more and, and grow more. But uh, it was, yeah, it was definitely. It was, it was like a really, uh, a, a landmark moment in my life. Cause I'd never, ever, ever been in that kind of shape before I'd send people pictures. I had a picture of me with my wife. I think I'd say that picture. And like, she just this normal person standing there. I'm standing there just looking totally jacked and six pack and tan. And I, I sent that to friends and they're like, is that real? They thought it was Photoshop. Like that was cool. That was that, amazing. That's what you want. You want you want to you want to prompt the Photoshop question. Yeah, exactly. They thought it was fake. 
Yeah. I, I, that made me so happy. So that, it was, that's it was awesome. This lifelong goal. That's cool. Well, congrats. I mean, you, uh, you busted your ass and I mean, there was never a point during prep where I was really worried about you. And it's not often that I can say that I'm like, you know, just based on the stuff that you would say in check-ins and just how the report would look every week. I'm like, he's got this. So now the big question, was there ever a point that I should have been worried? During prep? I don't think there was. I don't think there ever was. That's cool. I was, I was, I was committed. I was all in. <clears throat> Um, yeah, the growth phase got a little ugly sometimes. So I think you got a little worried. Maybe the growth phase. Maybe you should be worried now. I have to check in tomorrow. Can we just skip check in tomorrow, Darren? Well, if you want to do it right here in front of everybody else, we can skip it tomorrow. You bet. Kill numbers. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I mean, you know, during this phase, you're supposed to grow. So you know, the the analogy that I always make is the credit card analogy on a growth season, um, which is. Uh, your credit card has a limit. And when you reach that limit, you've got to pay it off. So similarly, our limit here is your comfort level with your body. And when you get to a point where you're like, holy shit, I am so uncomfortable with where I'm at. Well, guess what? Your credit card's maxed out. We got to pay it off a little bit. So everything that we do that's off plan or when you're at a surplus, just every day, a little bit contributes to your credit card balance. Um, and so what we want to do is just, you know, slow the rate at which that credit card fills up. But, you know, post-show, you know, you're going to take an empty credit card and you're going to fill it maybe halfway up post-show. Yeah. So that's not uncommon. It's not necessarily desirable, but it is okay. Right. So um, yeah, I would say so that whatever awesome. it is, you're probably fine. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's it. That's the thing is it's felt like, man, I needed release, but I'm sorry, it's been hard to kind of pull. I'm not in like a nosedive or tailspin, but just pulling, pulling back the reins and getting back on some kind of plan. It's, it's a little harder. I'll get there, but yeah. Um, well, it's hard also when you, when you have that Photoshop moment where you're like, holy crap, this is me. And then in a couple of weeks, it's like, Oh, I don't look like that anymore. Totally. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that actually brings up. So a couple of things I wanted to say, one, one piece of advice that you gave me that was incredibly helpful. And you said, I thought that I tell people this all the time, but, uh, you said it to me when I was two or three weeks into prep. And I think, I think I'd gotten a little loosey goosey with, with, with my numbers or, or, or maybe like a cheap, I can't, what, I can't remember what it was, but you said, and you, I think you assume everyone knows, but you said bodybuilding is a dieting competition. Yeah. It's a dieting competition. And I had never heard that before. And you said it and I was like, that's it. He was like, you gotta understand when you go out, when you go, when you go out with friends or when you're on vacation, you're in a bodybuilding competition. These guys are not. So yeah. it's a dieting competition. And if you're eating something, your competitors probably aren't eating that. So that helped me that clicked. That was super, super helpful. Um, and one other thing that was very helpful. So like you said, the Photoshop moment, this was actually very, it was cathartic to me because I realized that's just a snapshot in time. And most people that post their stuff on Instagram, most people that post these amazing photos, they do not walk around looking like that all the time. And I they think post that same snapshot in time ad nauseum. Yes. Exactly. So exactly. it creates the illusion that that's what they look like. So I could post all these pictures from my show day and man, I look incredible but I don't walk around looking like that all the time. And I don't think I want to feel like that all the time. Probably I, not. <laughs> I do not. So I realize, you know, it's great to look that way, but it's not really worth the, the, the price you take pay to get that. It's not worth to keep that up all the time. So it may be a little more accepting of my body outside of that. Cause you've talked about before we all have a little bit of body dysmorphia and yeah. I'm like, why am I not jacked all the time? Like these other people. But now I realize that's just a snapshot and very few people, if any, walk around looking like that all the time. And it's okay to walk around, not jacked, not totally ripped. 
um, not soft, but I mean, not looking perfect all the time. That's the way most people are. And that's, if you're going to feel normal, that's the way you look and that's the way it is. You don't have to feel self-conscious about it. Exactly right. I mean, you've got to be comfortable with, you know, some degree of fluctuation in your body composition. And the the thing that makes this difficult is you get to that point where it's like, okay, I'm at this level of leanness that I've never seen before. And uh, letting that go for the first time and kind of watching it float away off into the distance like a free bird, um, it, it's a little depressing, but it is necessary also. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, any other uh, any other parting words of wisdom for us? Um, From the now seasoned veteran. <laughs> yeah, if I so anybody that's doing it that's going to do a show, I would say going to a show I think would be helpful. Um, definitely to picture yourself picture yourself in that. And uh, uh, I'd say if you're not working with Darren, you should work with Darren because he's yeah. a good coach. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. I, Shameless plug. I'll pay you later. Like he's yeah he's he was really really great um super helpful i mean if i hadn't if i hadn't had if i hadn't had you as a coach um to to check in that accountability was huge so if you want to get serious about something either some kind of deadline um or some kind of accountability it, it it'll keep you uh keep you on track than anything else so yeah that's all I, I, I agree completely because you know i mean that's why i have a coach i know what to do you know, but part of it is, you know, you got to know, know the stuff. Um, you've got to be able to recognize that stuff in yourself, which it's a lot harder for me to do that. Like I can look at you, I can look at any other client and I can look at their stuff and know exactly what to do. But if, if I take my own pictures and I write up my own report and I read that, all I see is bullshit. I'm like, I don't know. Who's this guy? Who's this clown? What's he doing? He's, he's fat. Who's this guy? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you can't see yourself fairly. It's a little like doing your own. I mean, I like I could write my own workout program, but I hate my own workouts. <laughs> I just want to enjoy them. I like your workouts better. You well, and when, when I when I write my own, when I when I write up my own, and if I follow my own, I feel like, well, you know, I wrote this, but you know what? What if I tried this instead? Because for me, it's work. Like yeah. writing that stuff and experimenting with it is work, and you can't work when you're trying to train. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that sounds weird. That you can't, sense. you can't do your, your business while you're trying to train. Yeah. That makes you got to separate the two. Yeah. So, so and that was another thing that was helpful. Just having someone else's plan. I mean, you gave me plans, but even if you're out of a book or whatever, just take, get a plan and stick with it. I mean, stick with it and be consistent. Get a, get a plan and trust the plan. And so if it comes from a person who created it for you, that helps. If you're pulling out a book, you're like, well, why should I trust this? You know, maybe yeah. it's worked for some people. I don't know, but you know, yeah. wherever it comes from, trust it and follow it until you have reason not to. Yeah, exactly. And that was something that was actually cool working with you because the, 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 uh, peak week, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. You told me like, you're going to do this with water, this with cars. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I was like, uh, I, I was, I was like kind of doubting, like what the heck would I have done? But I know you've done it before and I just trusted in what you said and I did exactly what you said and it worked. And it looked amazing on show, um, show day. So, and we didn't do a whole lot. We just manipulated a couple things, just a yeah, few tweaks. We didn't simple. do any crazy, like sodium loading or depletion or anything no, like that. No, it was just, it was basically, we drink a lot of water at the beginning of the week, cut it back, and then low carbs, increased carbs. That was it. And that worked. Yeah. It's like, it's like this. One goes up while the other goes down. Yeah. Didn't take any fancy diuretics or anything like that. It was Mm-mm. perfect. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I appreciate it. The insight here has been awesome. And uh, I know other people get a lot out of this. You know, first time competitors, aspiring first time competitors, which, you know, 
there's a lot of those people that listen to this show, but also just the the perspective on switching phases, going from growth phase into a cut, coming out of it, understanding that's difficult, got to let go of some things. You've got to shift your focus a little bit and tighten things up when you go into a cut. Um, you know, like during growth phase, things got a little sloppy. That's fine. We were okay with that. We let that happen to some extent. Um, but then we also knew like we had to flip that switch once prep started. Yep. And you, you did a great job with that too. So yep. all the credit to you. Thank you very much. Awesome. All right. Um, Anything else you you want to promote your uh, your uh, orthodontist business? <laughs> I would say <laughs> so like share your social uh, media or whatever, but <laughs> right, we're 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 in Atlanta, and yeah, we're we're awesome. But you're probably you're probably too far away, so <laughs> <laughs> not really uh, preaching to the right crowd, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, Jacob, it's been awesome. I appreciate it, and we'll have check in tomorrow, right? All right, I will check in. You know, I, I haven't missed one. I haven't missed a check in. So no, you're, you're awesome. awesome. You're a rock star, and I don't want this to be the first one because now I'm kind of scared. It won't be. Uh, it's not that, but it's <laughs> whatever it is. We'll work through it. All right. Have a good one, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Take care.